This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. This is one that Carol and I are fighting over to bring yes. in. We're sort of so uh, go for it. Bring her right. in. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. All right. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Emily Hayward is with us. She's co-founder, chief brand officer of Red Antler. And if you look at the roster of the companies that they've worked with, you would get a sense of the tabs that go across my screen when I'm like doing some online shopping in between segments. Um, Allbirds, Casper, Birchbox, Casper, Allbirds, Birchbox, Everlane, Warby. I mean, like yeah. so many, so many. Uh, she's also got a new book. Building a brand people love from day one. She joins us on the phone from Southampton. So, Emily, first of all, congrats on the book. Very exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. All right, so why – we want to talk so much about so many things, but why turn this into a book right now? Yeah, so I think that, you know, to your point about sort of the brands that we've helped build and the entrepreneurs that we've partnered with, We've really seen a movement unfold over the past decade where category after category is being disrupted by startups and people are really rethinking the brands that they're loyal to, the everyday items that they buy and who they really want to give their money to. And, you know, over the years, I've seen what it takes to build a modern brand and how you can capture consumers hearts in whole new ways and really how you need to. Um, So the book is all about the new rules of branding and new ways to form connections with consumers or, frankly, get left behind. And you have to do it, Emily, from day one, right? You have to know your brand from the get-go. Well, I think it certainly helps to do it from day one. You know, I would never want to tell an established company that it's too late for them. I also (laughs) think it's never too late. That's not good for business either, Emily, is it? (laughs) Well, that's but I'm also an eternal optimist and I think everybody you know has the chance to be relevant again um, but I do think it certainly helps that so many of these companies are really able to build their meaning and their purpose into who they are from the very beginning but you but you do talk about like you say that you know founders think that branding is something you think about once you figured out all the important stuff I'm, I'm kind of reading from your book here you know but you say, you know, you got to really be thinking about this early on. Yeah, absolutely. When we started Red Antler in 2007, the ethos of the day was like the lean startup. You know, it yeah. was like, get out there, make sure your product market fit, right. test your way to success, and then worry about your brand. But our hypothesis was actually that the sooner you start thinking about brand, the more set up for success you'll be. And I think we see examples of businesses that really took an incredibly thoughtful approach to brand from the beginning and were able to just come out of the gates, you know, at full force and gain momentum and press and word of mouth and ultimately were able to sort of unseat the competition in a way that I don't think they ever would have been able to achieve if they had taken a halfway approach. All right. So in a minute, in one minute, give us one example, and then we're going to continue the conversation to, after we do some news. But give us a one-minute like, case study. Yeah, so I think Casper, which you brought up, is an excellent example of that because before Casper launched, nobody thought you could sell a mattress through e-commerce. Yeah. You know, it was impossible, right? People had to try it out. And if they had put up a sort of dinky website being like, hey, let's see if people are willing to make this $850 purchase online without ever sleeping on the bed, they would have gotten what I would call a false negative. You know, I don't think people would have fallen for that brand in the way they did. Now, of course, they've faced challenges since then, certainly because there's been 
hundreds of copycats because of what a fantastic and phenomenal job they did. But I do think it was brand that enabled them to build that trust, change consumer behavior, and get people to make a very high-ticket, high-stakes purchase, sight unseen, from a brand that they had never heard of. Our guest uh, that we're talking with right now, Emily Hayward. She's co-founder, chief brand officer at uh, the branding company, largely work with startups and new ventures, Red Antler. Her new book out today, Obsessed, Building a Brand People Love from Day One. She's talking with us from Southampton. You've worked with Allbirds, Casper, Birchbox. One of the things Jason and I have been wondering, Emily, is... You know, with everything that's gone on over the past 12 weeks, with everything that's gone over the past two and a half weeks following what happened in Minneapolis, you know, I do wonder what impact that has on companies, on leaders, and, you know, what it means to be a brand in our society today. And and will it matter to consumers ultimately going forward? I absolutely think it's going to matter to consumers more and more and more. And I think that this movement towards brands taking accountability happened before the moment that we currently find ourselves in. You know, consumers have more choice, more information, and more power than ever before. And that's only getting greater and greater and greater. And they're using that power to demand change and accountability and action. And I think it's phenomenal. And I think that brands who think they can just sort of like stay behind the curtain and not get engaged are going to find that their loyalty quickly erodes. So, Emily, help us understand through your work, you know, and some of the brands that you've worked with, what does the right consumer engagement look like? And I know authenticity and transparency are all key aspects of this, but, you know, there are also a lot of brands going after the consumer right now, and and the Internet is a great equalizer in many ways, and there are a lot of people who are clever and even a lot of people who are well-funded. But I wonder, as you've tried to distill down that secret sauce, what do you find? I think it's recognizing that brand is not a layer that sits on top. It's not just having a cool logo or a great ad campaign or a socially conscious ad campaign. I think that brand needs to start from within. And the brands that are succeeding today have an incredibly clear idea of their purpose and of the problem that's solving for people. They have a baked in relevance that's about adding more value to people's lives. And then they can bring that to life through all the ways they tell their story. But if you don't start with that meaning, it's just going to be shallow and people are going to see through it. So one thing I wanted to ask you, and Jason and I talk about this a lot too, we both have teenagers and, you know, both of our, all of our teenagers, you know, look at a company, what it stands for. We're looking at, you know, where things are made, if it's a food product, you know, ingredients and all that kind of stuff. But I wonder, you know, in terms of brands, how much the consumer is responsible for moving the needle and in an environment where the virus has exposed it, Emily, as well as, you know, what happened in Minneapolis, you know, there are people who are just struggling to put food on their table and a roof over their heads, you know, who do a lot of purchasing as well, though. You know, is it, are we overstating the importance of kind of what a brand stands for or how they do things? So I guess to me, I don't think that there's any way to overstate the importance of doing the right thing. And I think that this moment is less about what you're posting on Instagram and more about sort of how you're looking at your own internal culture and your hiring practices and how you're promoting black voices within and without of your company, you know? So 
to me, like, it doesn't necessarily need to be about brands investing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in ad campaigns about social justice. Frankly, I'd rather them put that money towards programs that help people than worry so much about their external reputation. And I think that if brands have that internal commitment and are doing the right thing, consumers are going to recognize that and support that more than that are just the loudest about talking the talk. So tell us something about putting this book together. I mean, we do want to, you know, give some nice love to it because it's out today. Obsessed, building a brand people love from day one. I mean, I wonder about, I mean, it's a little different from what you do in your day job. Like what was fun about it? What was challenging about it? And and maybe surprising. So the most challenging thing for me was that my day job is all about taking the most complicated thing you can imagine, you know, an entire business and every feature and fun piece of functionality and distilling it into, you know, four words. Right. Whereas when you're writing a book, it's almost the opposite skill set. You know, you really need to take an idea and expand on it and bring in examples and make sure that people are understanding it from all angles. So just dealing with the blank page was incredibly daunting after spending a career of trying to be as absolutely succinct as possible. Yeah. Um, but it was also, you know, so much fun to really think back on all the amazing examples I have from companies that I've gotten to partner with and entrepreneurs I admire, as well as just brands I admire as a consumer. You know, I bring up a lot of examples in the book that I didn't work on and mm. got to sort of put on the, my consumer lens and think about what are the brands I love just being out there in the world and observing them and buying them. What brands do you love? Ooh, good question. Well, I'm very excited about a recent launch of ours um, that's a brand called Jot. It's a new at-home coffee product, and yeah. it came just in time. You know, everybody was already in lockdown. We actually pushed the launch off a few weeks because it was supposed to launch like the week the pandemic hit. Um, but it really has been an incredible addition to my routine, and I'm proud of the brand that we put together there. And it's one of those things where the product's great, the brand is great, the site is great. It all comes together, which, again, I think is table stakes these days. And Jason, what's and I, Jason and I are both. Jot? Jot, Jot Coffee? J-O-T. Yeah. Jason and go. I are both Googling it. Is there yeah. a brand? What about one of like the older brands? Is an older brand out there that you just are like, man, they have just consistently continued to evolve and get it right? Yeah, I'll give a hat tip to Levi's for that. I think they're a brand that continues to stay relevant. I think they've stayed true to who they are while also adapting to the changing times. And they've really leaned into the fact that heritage can be a badge of authenticity, which, you know, is a buzzword, but it's really important to people. Yeah, interesting. And Everlane, is is that a company you've worked with? No, Everlane's not a client, um, but, you know, they're obviously one of, I think, the very important yeah. startups in the direct-to-consumer movement, and have really sort of led the way in a lot of discussion around transparency, yeah. and, you know, making your labor practices known, and sustainability, and pricing, so I, I write about them in the book, and I right. admire a lot of what they've done. Yeah, yeah we know that brand pretty well here at home. Yeah. Something oh, like I'm upset. Yeah. I'm, you, I'm wearing. You know some it Everlane. too, really. I, yeah, right. I wear a ton of Everlane. Yeah, and I and I love the I love the idea of it and, and the transparency piece. All right, we're kind of obsessed with you, Emily Hayward. So Sorry. come back. Yeah. So you're gonna have to come back and spend some time with us. Uh, author of the brand new book, Obsessed, Building a Brand People Love from Day One. Emily Hayward is the author. She's the co-founder and chief brand officer 
over at Red Antler. Nice way to end the show. Um, Perfect and, way to end. And incredibly relevant, I think, right now. Uh, and, you know, and we talk to a lot of these brands. You know, I think yeah. about the conversations we've had with the guys over at Adams, the creators of Adams, great husband and wife team. We're wearing their masks all the time now. Uh, it's our favorite mask. I've I ordered them. Right we here had, on my desk. I know. We had to wait for them, and my family loves them. They yeah. are incredible, and we need to catch but up with them, But even Bombas. Too. You know, we had the yep. founder of Bombas on. So, you know, this is something we think about a lot. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, tomorrow, of course, we've got the Fed meeting. They began today. They'll wrap it up tomorrow. We'll get a decision. We will cover that decision, Jason and myself, and then, of course, cover uh, Jay Powell's statement and the press conference. For Jason Kelly, I'm Carol Masser. Have a safe evening, everyone. This is Bloomberg Radio.